0: It has been a crazy week. Um, I feel like the Lord, whenever you're uh, doing sermon prep, and I think most people who've done sermon prep will understand, I feel like every time I'm preparing messages, like the Lord is constantly like showing me things and teaching me. And so I'm talking about hearing the voice of God, so I go through a whole week where I literally can't get anything. I'm praying, I'm wrestling, I'm battling i'm trying to figure it out but i'm literally getting nothing at all and i'm like what are you teaching me lord (laughs) because i'm talking about hearing from you and i am like am i going to walk up there sunday without anything what am i going to do and um so last night i was up till two in the morning and uh and then this morning got up again a little after six in order to just make sure so i was uh it was kind of one of those times but the lord started speaking when he decided to he just wanted me to be ready at all times Um, i told somebody earlier the best sermon i ever preached was when um And I still believe it might be the best sermon I ever preached. I I was an associate pastor at a church, and it was 15 minutes before service, and the pastor was puking in his office and said, I need you to preach. And I'm like, I got nothing. (laughs) I got got nothing. I got to be up there in 15 minutes. And literally, I had some things that the Lord was speaking to me in my devotional time. I pulled out that scripture. I went out without notes or anything. I just read that scripture, and then I preached for 45 minutes. Um, or so, and the Lord moved, and God was moving in the service, and moved at the altars. It was really awesome. The Lord decides to speak when He decides to speak. We just have to be ready and aware and listening. Mm-hmm. And um, and so I feel like that's kind of where we're at today. Um, I will a little bit kind of I'll go back to last week just a tiny bit in order to kind of just continue to build the foundation um, for the series. Um, I you know I did when I first decided to do the series. It was kind of one of those things where um, I loved the last series a lot. And so I was coming to the end of it, and I'm like, what am I going to do next? And I really wrestled with that for a while, and then finally I came up with this. And I'm like, "But I'm starting to realize during this week that this is really an important word for us. We really have to get to a point where we understand how to differentiate between the voices that are speaking into our lives. So many voices, so many coming from many different directions. And in our culture, with everything fast-paced and everything not only fast-paced, but everything really, really loud it becomes very difficult to really learn how to not only hear God's voice, but to identify it, right? And so we have to, because this walk walk we have with God is not just knowledge. It's literally relational. So it's a living and breathing walk with God that we have. And so I get to talk to him, and he actually speaks to me. As a matter of fact, I believe he's constantly speaking to us. It's just that I'm always listening. Um, sometimes i'm talking too much and sometimes i'm just too busy whatever it might be so i missed the opportunity to hear from the lord and um and so today getting to this part here i think it's important we're gonna we're gonna build a little bit of a house and then we're gonna learn to live in it so that's kind of what we're gonna do today y'all live in houses right some of you some live in sheds right some would rather live in a shed than in their house in the middle of nowhere off the grid i know a few people who would do that in a heartbeat Somebody said amen, so they want a shed in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> With no neighbors for miles. And the only voice you hear is the voice of the Lord and birds. Sounds nice, doesn't it? <laughs> Streams. I have a friend who used to live in the middle of nowhere. She had like multiple acres and had this little brook in her backyard. You walk out in the back and sit on the deck and all you hear is, is the animals or the, the flowing water. It was very peaceful. And then we live... A 21-mile, where in my living room, all I hear is traffic and fire engines and all that kind of stuff. It's awesome. I love it. But anyway, enough of that. We're going to get into the Word of this morning. So we're going to go to John chapter 3, verses 5 through 8. Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. Humans can produce only human life. But the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it wants, just as you can hear the wind, but can't tell where it's, where it's coming from or where it is going. So you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. And so I'm going to highlight just a couple parts here, because in, in this passage, Jesus is clearly talking about being born again, right? He's having this conversation with Nicodemus. But a couple points that are made here is he's talking about being born again, born of the Spirit, and then he compares that to what it's like to be just human. So when you're born human, you're born in the flesh, and humans can only produce human life. In other words, that when um, a man and a woman are married and they are together, they have a baby, humans can produce human life. But on the other hand, that those are born of the Spirit, not of the flesh. Now you're born again, now you're born of the Spirit. You produce, you're able to produce spiritual life. So again, you're born of the Spirit, and everything we do as we walk and live in the Spirit gives us the ability to produce, and there are things that come with being born of the Spirit. One of those things that we get as a result of being born of the Spirit is the ability to communicate with the Holy Spirit. It comes with that part of things. We're born again, so we're born with, this, um, with all the things that the Holy Spirit gives us. Now, I want to say this. this is important. You can write this down. If you're taking notes today, there's a few things I'll tell you to write down today. Um, Hearing God's voice is not a skill to be acquired, but it's a sense to be sharpened. Mm -hmm. You already have the ability to hear from God from the time that you gave your life to Christ. Jesus literally said, my sheep will hear my voice. Mm -hmm. It is not my sheep could possibly hear my voice, or my sheep might eventually hear my voice. No, you have the ability as somebody who was born of the Spirit to hear the voice of the Lord. It's already in you, so you don't have to acquire it. You just have to learn how to sharpen that sense. Uh, when, When a kid's born, when you're born, everyone, I'm assuming here, was born, so, um, maybe not everybody, but, uh, but I'm assuming we're all born, right? So everybody's born. And when you were born, you were born with senses. You were born with the ability to see. You were born with the ability to hear. You were born with the ability to touch. Nobody had to teach you how to see. Nobody had to teach you Right? Those are things you acquired. They are already there, but I can teach you how to pay attention, how to listen, how to do, acquire certain traits and abilities that will allow you to use those senses properly so that you can be effective. Right, it's The same thing is true as those who are born in Jesus, that when we give our life to Jesus, you are born with the, with the senses, the spiritual senses that we have from the beginning. But we have to learn how to be taught. how to, how, to, how we how can we hear the voice clearly? How can we differentiate between the voices that we're dealing with in the world? Um, how do we attain? How do I pay attention to the Lord? How do I get to that place where I'm paying attention and listening to the Lord? Because that's the thing: is we hear, we can. I, you told me, Chris, that you can hear, hear God's voice, but I don't know how to get to that point where I'm able to listen. I know that I probably have that sense, but how do I get there? And so you have that sense; it's built in. Now we just want to talk about what can we do to sharpen. Those senses, so that we can hear from the Lord clearly. Um, so, one of the things we're going to talk about is we need to learn how to discern um, what and who we are listening to. Where is it coming from? Other voices that we're talking to. I'm going to give you a little bit of example. Um, two examples actually. So, I'm going to just pick somebody uh, who's who wants to be picked today. Tom, you're going to be picked. There's a reason why you sat in the front row every week. Is because you get to be an example. So, imagine, Tom. And and I decided I want you to go to the mall, not the one over here that's dead and nobody's ever there, but like to Great Lakes Crossing where there's lots of people. And I want you to go to the food court at lunchtime. And I want you to meet my friend Jeff, who you've never met. And I'm not going to describe to you the way he looks. I'm going to describe to you what his voice sounds like. So I'm going to say, Jeff sounds like this. Go to the mall, to the food court, and I want you to find him and talk to him and bring him to me right would you have the ability with all of those voices based on that description of that person's voice be able to go in and find that person it's extremely unlikely that you're going to be able to do that descriptions alone we use descriptions like his voice is like many waters still small voice those descriptions will not help you figure out how to connect or hear from God They're not enough in themselves because what I've experienced with God speaking to me is not going to be the same as what you're going to experience. At different times, he speaks different ways. The Lord just kind of has a way of doing that. He knows what I need, when I need it. Just like I have kids, and I talk to them based on what they need in the moment. So i talk to them different ways, like when they get a C on a report card. I talk to them totally different than when they get an A. So, it is the opposite. The tone that I bring or the things that I say are different based on those kind of things. So, if I tell you that, like, for instance, I listen to my, I have this um, voicemails. If anybody has ever lost somebody in their life, I have voicemails that I've kept of my mother. That she, literally, I have a bunch of them in here. I delete my voicemails on a regular basis, so hers are always there. Because I have this uh, specific voicemail that I listen to every year on my birthday. See if you can hear it. Oh, never mind. It's not going to work doing that. i got to put it on speaker. Yeah, this is just mom calling to tell you happy birthday, but we'll call you back. when and get her waiting, okay? we catch sometime today. Love you. So that's my mother's voice. I know my mom's voice because I've heard it from the time I was a kid. We have a relationship. We have closeness. So I have the ability to hear my mom's voice. She's been gone almost three years now, but I could be sitting in a, in a living room, or sitting in a dining room, or even out, and we can have a thought that comes to my mind about my mother, and I can still hear her voice in my head. It's etched in there. So I have that voice, but if I was to also tell Tom, I need you to go and find my mom based on her voice, he wouldn't recognize her, but I do. How can I recognize her? I recognize her because I know her. Mm-hmm. So in the same way that we can't teach somebody who is born deaf how, what it's like to hear, or somebody who's born blind what it's like to see, you can't teach people how to hear the voice of God if they don't know Him. It's a relational connection that you have to have. It's walking with the Lord that allows you to be able to hear the voice of the Lord. If you don't have a relationship with Him, if you just have a religious connection because you go to church and you listen to sermons, God does speak through sermons and God does speak through people with, with the prophetic and things of that nature, which we'll get into eventually. But the reality is, is that you have the ability to hear the voice of God and recognize it because you have intimacy with Jesus. And because you have a walk with him, you have the ability to know who he is and how he speaks. So, remember last week I told you there's four different voices. And I'm going to mention them today because there's this clever way of helping you remember. You know, sometimes preachers do this. I don't. I'm not cool like other preachers. Um, but some, they'll, they'll use, like, the same letter in front of all the words. Or they'll have these outlines that are, like, just so put together to where you remember everything. I saw this from somebody. I, I was reading this week again, and I saw them explaining the same thing that did last week, only they did it with four words that had the same letters in front of them so that you could remember. So I want to share it. There are four different voices that we are dealing with in our world today that kind of are three different voices that affect our abilities to hear the Lord and one voice that is the voice of the Lord, obviously. Um, the first, first voice is self our own thoughts, our own way of thinking. Um, We have tendencies when things happen in our lives that we immediately go down this trail in our mind and we begin to think of all these kind of things about ourselves, about our situations, about things that are happening, and we begin to listen to those voices and they take us down a trail that we don't want to go down, right? So we get dragged down this trail by self. And because our self has taken us down this trail, I'm no longer able to hear the voice of the Lord because I'm too busy listening to me. The other voice would be Satan. The enemy gives suggestions and lies. And it's not just Satan, because he's not everywhere at the same time, but he, there's demons that are associated with him, and they suggest, and they lie, and we have those voices that we listen to, and those voices reaffirm the fact that you should listen to yourself, right? So you have this constant thing that's battle we're battling. And the third word is secular, the world's views and rhythms or patterns, that we have all these things that the world speaks to us, that we tend to listen to, and then we listen to them, and all of a sudden we get caught up. I think the church... Part of the the reason why the church has such an identity crisis today, well, the world has a major identity crisis. People don't know who they are anymore. But the church doesn't most of the time know who we are anymore. And it's because we're trying to figure out so much how to be like the world that it's kind of like this dangerous game that we're playing. We want to reach them, so we want to be like them. But then all of a sudden, we're just like them. So their patterns and and their rhythms, remember we talked last week about rhythms, a, we, we have to tune in to the right frequency to hear the rhythm of the Lord because he speaks in rhythms. Not only his voice that we hear um, spiritually, but also his word is in rhythms. He speaks. It all connects. It intertwines. You want to learn how to interpret the scripture, you got to understand it all flows together. You have to understand that I can't take one verse or one chapter and just say, or one ver- some, we do that sometimes, this one verse now becomes my theology, but yet it contradicts all of these other ones. What's happened is I have the wrong point of view or the wrong interpretation because its rhythms are perfect. I have to come in a line in order to hear, right, in order to learn and grow. It's the same thing that we're dealing with here. We have all these different voices speaking to us, and then we get lost. So we're going to build a house this morning. First, we're going to start with Matthew 7, 24 through 27. You all know the passage, so I'm just going to read it quickly. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them. So first thing, Jesus is saying, anybody who hears my words, But second part is equally important because it's no good to just hear his words and then not act on them. Be doers of the word, not just hearers of the word. So when we're talking about hearing the voice of God, it's great to also understand that we have to learn to hear the voice of God, but we have to learn rhythms of obedience to the voice of the Lord. Because the more obedient I am, I said this last week, the more obedient I am, the more I hear him. And the more I connect with him and the deeper that relationship goes. So obedience is important. But everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and slammed against the house and yet it did not fall because it was founded on the rock. I kind of liken that to anybody who hears the words of mine and acts on them It's like they built their house on the rock and when all of the voices came from all the different directions trying to come against them and tell them all the things that are not true, that it did not fall because they were founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a a foolish man who built his house on sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and slammed against that house and it fell and it collapsed. The reason it fell and collapsed is because what happens with us often is that we have the voice of the Lord, the words of the Lord through His Scripture, but also that He speaks to us, that we hear from the Lord, but it's inconvenient, it's uncomfortable, and it's difficult, right? It's not always easy. We make it look like you get saved, and it's, yeah, no, walking with Jesus is not easy. It's amazing, but it isn't easy. You're going to be challenged if you're walking with the Lord. Like, not occasionally. Occasionally. You might be challenged by the minute. Like, that's true. It's, It's like, go to work. If you go to work living for Jesus, you're going to be challenged. Anywhere you go. So that's true that it's difficult, it's hard, and it's hard to hear the words of the Lord. And sometimes it's really hard to do what he says. But by doing so, you build this foundation. So we're talking about building a house, and the very first part of building a house, and I'm going to build the house one piece at a time, the very first thing we need in order to build a house that we can live in, that will allow us to have the quiet that we need to hear from the Lord. The first part is, without a doubt, the word. It is the foundation. When we rightly divide Scripture through study, not just reading. By the way, it's important. that The Bible doesn't say read and show yourself approved. I mean I mean it I'm serious. The Bible does not say read and show yourself approved. Study. Dive into. Absorb. Do not look for the left to the right, but be meditate on day and night. So it becomes part of who we are. He speaks his word clearly we we read it. And that word as we read it, it becomes a part of our spirit, connects with us, becomes part of us, and that is connecting with the Lord because his word is. What he spoke, it's inspired by him, right? So we have to learn to connect with the word. John 6, 63, the spirit alone gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing. And the very words I have spoken to you are spirit and life. In other words, you want to be connecting in spirit, you want to be, you want to be full of life, listen to my words, act on my words, and stop trying to do things in your own human effort. Try, stop trying to reason, right? That's what we do. We start, we start. Life happens and things are going on, and then I try to reason, and I start doing all the wrong things in my head. Instead of doing that, I need to depend on the voice of the Lord. I need to depend on His Word for me. We talked about this last week, so I'm not going to get too much into that, but the Word is the foundation. Second Timothy 2, 14-19, Remind them of these things, and solemnly exhort them in the presence of God not to dispute about words which is useless, and leads to ruin of his listeners. He's not talking about the word of God, he's talking about idle words, things that are just not right. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God as a worker who does not need to be ashamed, accurately handling the word of truth. But avoid worldly and empty chatter, for it will lead to further ungodliness. So, he tells us in this passage, you need to accurately handle the word of God. It's important that you don't just have the word, but that you study it so that you can accurately handle it and teach it properly. Um, there's a lot of, you don't, might not realize this, there are a lot of people, and I've been a part of people who have actually, and I think we're all guilty of it, by the way. So, when I say there's a lot of people, I mean us. So, um, we're all guilty of occasionally being off. You are a person. This passage clearly talked about that we just read a minute ago. Human effort accomplishes nothing. So as a person, you fall short. As a person, your doctrine is not perfect. Even the best teachers fall short. I know that because we studied a lot of the greatest theologians ever, right? And some of them are really great, but what's, what's, what do they have in common, they all have different points of view, even though they're all theologians. They have different points of view on different topics, right? because none of us are perfect and none of us will have perfect theology, but it is important that we at least connect with the Word, study the Word, connect with the Holy Spirit so He can teach us uh, and get to the point where then we can begin to handle it uh, properly. And then in a process, while we're trying to hear the voice of God and we're handling His Word, we need to avoid all the world's empty chatter because those are the voices that lead to further ungodliness. So we have to get to the point where we drown things out and the way we drown things out is to be founded on the Word if you hear a voice that contradicts Scripture, it's either yourself, the secular, the world, or the satanic. God is consistent, so he will not contradict himself. Therefore, whatever he says will be confirmed through Scripture. We do, not need, to, we, uh, we do need to be careful. Now, this is what I was going to get into. I talk about people. I said people, and I said us. I'm going to actually get into a story that I'm going to share with you because I actually had a, um, a specific pastor I worked with for a while that had some uh, really strong stances on things. And we should have really strong stances on some things. Mm-hmm. But this is an example. He, he had a very strong tans, uh, stance on tattoos. You can't get a tattoo. If you get a tattoo, you're damned. <laughs> that was the kind of mindset. What did he use scripturally to back that up? He went into Leviticus to back that up. Mm-hmm. And he, he, he talked about, the Bible says, don't mark yourself, cut yourself, pierce yourself. That scripture is not even relevant to the idea of tattoos. Mm-hmm. In that passage, what you're dealing with is you're talking about people who are worshiping idols, and as a, as a result of them worshiping idols, they, in their worship, they would cut themselves and pierce themselves and mark themselves. They were doing idol worship things, and it was all a part of it. So these Levitical priests and all these, with all these rules, all the 613 rules, um, and again, in Leviticus, you could read it. It's good history. It's good to learn from, but it's not for us. Not for us in our, in our regular life. We don't, we don't do any of the things that they did back then, right? We live in a new covenant not under those rules, those regulations that they dealt with, but what I, what I see in this passage is uh, that he, he would bring out, he's like, well, this says these things, so you shouldn't do it, point blank. I read this verse that said you can't pierce yourself, you can't mark yourself, all this kind of stuff. And then the following passages he totally ignored because in, even in Leviticus there was rhythms mm-hmm. to what was being spoken. Don't shave the side of your face. He was clean shaven. Don't eat red meat that bleeds. Meat that bleeds, he loved a good steak. Mm -hmm. I read a single verse in this passage created an entire entire doctrine that was out of context Mm -hmm. and ignored all the rest of it. It doesn't apply to me, but this applies because I don't like tattoos. Do you understand what I'm saying? We can create theologies. Now, what happens is, is if I have bad theology then that foundation of the word that allows me to really, really sift through to find out what God is saying, it can become faulty. Because I have bad theology. Everything we study and read should be in context. If I read this verse and there's a rhythm to it, then I should stay with that rhythm. I shouldn't just go away from it because this verse makes sense to me. I like it. Um, it's something I can stand strong on, but the rest of it, it's irrelevant. We do that sometimes. And we got to be careful of doing that. I don't have a biblical reason why you shouldn't get a tattoo. I have personal reasons I don't like them. Because I can imagine if I'm 25 years old and I get a wolf on my arm, when I'm 70 it turns into a pug. It's not really good. That's why I don't want a tattoo. Just because I know what I get now is not going to be the same as what I get when I get older because I'm going to shrink, shrink up a little bit. Things are going to happen. But the point I'm making here is that it is important that, it's, it's important in order for us to hear the Lord properly when it comes to the spiritual sense of having the senses to listen, we have to also properly dissect the Word of God. Properly study in context, in its whole. I've had times where I've read something and I'm like, that doesn't seem right to me, but it's what he said. And, and then all of a sudden as I start looking at it, what I realize is I'm the problem. The interpreter is usually the issue when it comes to Scripture. The Bible interprets itself. So I have to learn to get into the rhythm that is being taught. And then this scripture right here, it's great. It's good when I read it. But if I really read it in fullness of the chapters, not just that one thing, and then if I take it and look at the fullness of all the scripture and how they connect, all of a sudden I had new revelation and saw things differently. So, it's important that we rightly divide the word of God. We can't just create a doctrine on one little part but ignore the rest because they're all, all throughout, Jesus spoke in rhythms constantly and the things that he was saying. And he had the same exact pattern that he was using in his speech, but we will take one and ignore the rest and make it a hardcore doctrine that we believe in. But the rest of the stuff that he said, not that because that's a little tough. <laughs> that's a little complicated. That's a little hardcore, right? We don't want to do that. And so we have to learn that. Whatever the word is teaching, there's rhythms. There's a reason why Jesus said what he said. Let's find out what the reason is. Let's not just, on the surface, say this is what he said. Let's look at the entire thing. Why is Jesus? Who is he talking to? What's the situation? All those details. What's going on in the culture where he's at? Why did Paul write to the Church of Corinthians the way he did? There's reasons why Paul wrote to them the letters he wrote them specifically. And so we have to understand all those things properly, divide the Word of God. Once we are able to do that, and we handle the Word of God the way the Bible, he said we're supposed to properly handle it, once we do that, we get a really clear grip on the rhythms of how he speaks. And then we get to the point where we're able to respond. So the Word is the foundation, but not just the Word, the Word rightly divided, the Word properly dissected and taught. Romans chapter 12, there, uh, verse number 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice, pleasing to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How does that happen? The word of God is how that happens. So that you may, now this word here, um, it's, it's literally in the, Greek, we're talking about the word that means discover. So it's that, so that you may discover or discern what the will of God is, that which is good and pleasing and perfect. So when we allow the word to renew our mind and the way we think, we then be dis- begin to discover what God's will is and what things we can do in our lives that will please Him. That's relational. Um, there's other, ver- other versions where it uses the words acceptable. What's acceptable? But really, pleasing is a better word to be used here, which is nice because pleasing has to do with relationship. I want to do things when I'm married. I want to do things that make my wife happy, that make that she's pleased with. I want to do the same thing with friends, and they want to do back and forth. Right? There's a relationship involved. And so we get to hear that we, our minds are renewed, our hearts are changed. We discover who he is. We discover his will for our lives and the plans that he has for us and things that are pleasing to him. In other words, what we gain as a result of our minds being renewed is we gain wisdom, right? The ability, what is his will? What is his plan for us? What are the things that he wants us to do? How does he want us to do it? Wisdom is the next part of the house. It is the structure that is built. So the wisdom is built on the structure of the word. And so we have that next part of the house. I heard his definition of wisdom that I actually kind of liked. I think it's different than anything else I've ever heard, but wisdom is knowledge set on fire by the Holy Spirit. Um, I never heard that before, but I like it because it's kind of true. Wisdom is that you have knowledge and you learn how to use it and understand it. Where do we get understanding? The Holy Spirit teaches us all things. And so we have the ability to understand things and grasp things. And so we have this wisdom that we get from the Lord that has a result of us making the word a foundation. When we know the word of God, we begin to understand his will, which is, which is wisdom, and, be, and become, it becomes a structure to the house. First, uh, James, 1, chapter, chapter, uh, yeah, James 1, 5. I do that sometimes. You know, get tongue tied up here, get excited, and want to start going fast. Lord, help me slow down so people can understand what I'm saying. Sometimes when I'm preaching, does anybody actually think I'm speaking in tongues up here? <laughs> I get I get told I talk fast. I used to be a lot worse. It'd be like a machine gun up here. James one five, but any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. In other words, all you got to do is ask. If I'm having a relationship with the Lord and I ask for wisdom, he's going to give it to me. So he's going to help me to know what his will is, what his plans are, what are the things he wants to do in me. One of the things that's different about hearing the voice of the Lord separately from even reading scripture is the fact that the scripture gives us instruction for life and the ways that we should live and the things that we should do and not do. But hearing the voice of the Lord tells me exactly what I'm supposed to do with my life. Like, Not everybody's called to be a pastor, but I'm called to be a pastor because the Lord spoke to me and said, you're called to be a pastor. It's specific. So hearing the voice of the Lord is important because it is specific, but you gain the wisdom of knowing the will of God by having the Word as a foundation. It's important. The third part of the house is the whispers. They're all W's. You notice that I used S's before, but now I'm using W's, just so you can remember. So the first part is the Word. The second part is wisdom. The third part is whisper whisper is paint drywall maybe electrical it's put in the house plumbing plumbing I, i just just for you ernie just for you the whisper is like plumbing in the house john 14 26 but the advocate the holy spirit whom the father will send in my name will teach you all things and will remind you of everything that i have said to you really important passage Relationally, he's basically saying this is the Holy Spirit that now lives in you from the moment that you were born of the Spirit. And by the way, since you are born of the Spirit and you are his sheep, you can hear his voice. And so that saying, that Holy Spirit will now speak to you and teach you all things. So the Word teaches us. We learn from the Word, but the Holy Spirit gives us revelation as we read the Word, but the Holy Spirit gives us revelation when we pray. The Holy Spirit gives me revelation when I'm driving in my car. The Holy Spirit gives me revelation when I'm in the shower. Literally. All the time, if you're listening and you're tuning in to the frequency of the Lord, you will hear the Holy Spirit speaking to you at different times and He'll speak to you different things, and all of a sudden, ha- what happens? So he teaches you all things, so that's, that's the, 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 the level of He's showing me, you know, different things regarding my life pertaining, and i learn different things, lessons and things of that nature. But the second part is that He'll remind you of everything that He has said. Now, this is important because you will be in a moment where you're trying to minister to somebody, you've all been there before, where somebody gives you a hard, really hard question that you don't know how to answer, you ever been there before? And and, and just out of nowhere, the words come out of your mouth. Like, I don't even know where that came from, but the memory came back. The Holy Spirit reminded me of all the things he said through his word to me, because that word is alive. And so I, I look at it when I'm reading scripture that it's talking to me, because it's alive. It's living and active. And so he reminds me of all those things that he said to me, which all of a sudden, in that moment, now I'm able to give an answer. And the Lord does say in scripture that we should be ready to give an answer. How, do we, how are we ready to give an answer? There's two ways you're ready to give an answer. You have to be rooted in the Word of God, and you have to be in the place where there's wisdom in a whisper. You have to hear the voice of the Lord in order to have a word in the right moment. So the whisper is the drywall, the plumbing. What is good? all the other stuff. It's just the plumbing. I had, a, I had a moment one time in my life, and I don't know if you've ever experienced this before, but talk about whisper. Um, I was at a school of ministry, is where I was one of the places I was being trained in ministry. It was right before I went to Revival Tabernacle with work worker pastor, Tim Dillian. I was in this church that I, that I got saved. I got saved, 16 in a different church, but went to youth group at this church. And then I started going to this church full-time with Cassie's family. And um, a lot of great memories, a lot of really awesome things happened there. A lot of crazy, incredible encounters with the Lord, life-changing things. But things changed over time. And I'm in a school of ministry. I'm seeing things that I don't like. Like I'm, I'm seeing arguments in the hallways between staff. I'm talking brutal arguments. Um, I'm seeing a, a pastor come into the meetings with the students who he's training to go into ministry, and he's very manipulatively talking about the other person without using names, but trying to be very tri- tricky in how he's doing it, and it was very negative. And it was atmosphere that was getting really bad. So I was praying, Lord, what am I supposed to do with this? And we had chapels, and I spoke in chapels sometimes, and the Lord literally gave me prophetic words multiple times that I spoke um, regarding not just the things that were going on, but what the God what really what God wanted from us. And um, and I really felt like they were from the Lord. But I um, but I'm just bothered by this. And I'm like, what do I do? I'm supposed to be trained by ministry by these people who I'm seeing not, nothing godly happening right now. And it's just a terrible situation. Around the same time I'm hearing about this program. I, I knew Pastor Tim through a couple different friends and different events I went to, and I heard about his program, and I loved his preaching. I love everything about him. So I'm like, I'm I'm probably going to be interested in that when I'm done with this. I'll go there and finish. But I started praying because it got really, really ugly. When I mean ugly, if anybody ever has known anybody who's been through some church stuff, um, you know, the church can lose its identity, and it can get very vicious. When we stop walking outside of the the will of God or outside of the Word of God, and we start doing things and taking actions into our own hands, um, it can get really ugly. So I start praying, and I spent Months, actually, praying for direction. God, do I do I give me the words to say? What do I do? Do I stick around? Because I have to be prepared for ministry right now. This is not a healthy place to be growing and learning. And this is literal truth. You want to talk about whisper. I've been praying. I've been fasting. I've been in the Word. And I'm literally just praying one morning. And you think I'm crazy. Some people think, But I heard an audible voice of the Lord. And He gave me exact chapter in verse and book, and I'm like, I'm literally praying for a direction. God, what, what should I do here? And I hear, audibly Isaiah fifty two eleven. And I looked it up. In the first words, here's here's what it says: Depart, depart, go out from there. Do not touch what is unclean. I'm like, okay, Lord. I mean, I know I'm supposed to endure things, and I have been enduring it for a while. And um, and it's important that we learn to endure. You, you don't just run, right? You don't just run. But I have to be obedient to the Lord, and he says these things. And, he's, and, and so I took this as this. The Lord was telling me to go. I ended up going to the program with approved Unto God with Pastor Tim Zelina this, at the end of this year. And I ended up going. but um, But what I did is I left in an honorable way. I was encouraging because I was not going to touch any of the unclean things that they were doing. They were not biblical. They were treating people harshly and mean. Um, a lot of people heard, I actually know two people who were in that program with me who no longer serve God and consider themselves agnostic because of what was taking place. It was a dangerous situation to be in, but I learned from it. And I learned how to dig deep, how to pray, how to fast, how to really hear from the Lord because I knew that I needed answers. Because I knew that the place I was at, I'm young in the Lord. I'm only you know, saved for five, six years at the time. And I'm like, I'm trying to figure this out. When I left, not only did I begin to flourish because the people under were phenomenal. Um, great teachers, amazing teachers. People like David Wilkerson come and teaching classes and other people, just um, incredible. But the spirit mm-hmm. about the people, really genuine, sincerely loved Jesus. And yeah. there was none of that other stuff. But the other place continued, and, and all of a sudden you've seen complete division people scattered and went all over the place, including staff, and and still to this day, some of them won't talk to each other. I still talk to all of them, if I get the chance, because I left after hearing the voice of the Lord, and I left peacefully. Mm -hmm. It's important to hear the whisper of the Lord, Mm -hmm. because I wanted, there were times, because one guy was one of my mentors, who was getting treated really poorly, and there were times that old Chris wanted to come stand up for him, Mm -hmm. and um, he didn't need me He's a, almost a professional hockey player. He knew how to take care of himself. But, uh, but, um, but either way, that you understand where I'm coming from. But being able to submit and surrender, I'm living in a house that is founded on the Word, where there's the wisdom of the Lord, where I hear the whisper of the Lord, so therefore I can hear Him. And then I need to be obedient and do what He says. And when I'm obedient and I do what He says, He opens the doors to greater things. The fourth W, the fourth part of this house, I'll call it wonders. It's like decorations. So this is the stuff my wife would do to your house. (laughs) If you ever want your house decorated, she's the person to call. But wonders. This would include things like prophecy, dreams, visions, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. These are the things that are spiritual. They're very, very important. There are many times where I've had dreams, and the Lord spoke to me through dreams I don't know if any of you have, but the Bible's clear. Then in the last days, I'll pour my spirit into all flesh, and young, your, your sons and daughters will prophesy, and old men have dream dreams, young men in have visions, whatever, which way that is, old or young, I don't know, but their dreams and their visions. And so these things will happen, and God speaks to them. And I can tell you some of them, some pretty awesome ones that I had in the past that came to pass. I can tell you some of the things that the Lord has, I've had dreams recently that were reoccurring over the last couple of years, and the Lord finally gave me the understanding of what they were, and it is pretty amazing. I'm not going to share them with you. But, um, but I will share this with you. If you know the name George Foreman, anybody here? <laughs> yeah, boxer. George Foreman, there's a movie that just came out. The George Foreman movie. Me and Cassidy went and seen it Friday. And you need to go see it. It's really, really good. It's his life story, and it's a true story, and it's actually not loosely based on a true story. It, it is literally, they use phrases, like he's in a boxing match with Muhammad Ali, and some of the things that Muhammad Ali was actually saying to him in a boxing match are actually being said in, in their fight in the ring. So, because he was a talker, he didn't just fight, he just got in your head. And so this whole movie really is about his story. And his story was a young man who grew up very, very poor. And I'm not going to get into the whole movie because I'll ruin it for you, but I'm going to have to ruin it a little bit in order to tell the story. But I, was, I got pumped. When I'm hearing this, I, I'm like, this is awesome. When I'm watching this movie unfold, I'm seeing what's happening. Um, he was, grew up poor, but he grew up in a family where his mom knew the Lord. And they were a single mom that had multiple kids, but they, they, had, they literally were breaking apart a cheeseburger in order to feed the entire family one cheeseburger for dinner. And the moms, they get ready to chow down. You know, George Foreman's a big dude who wants to eat. <laughs> you getting ready to chow this thing down as fast as you can because they haven't eaten in a while. Mom immediately stops them. We're going to thank the Lord for the food we have before we eat it. And the whole movie is just her is constantly teaching or trying to help him to kind of come into relationship with Jesus and know him. So he ends up being in this place where he, he gets trained to box and he goes into boxing. When he goes into boxing, he begins to live a life that the world would have him live. And he gets to listen to his own voice. He gets to listen to the voice of the world and probably the voice of Satan at the same time. So he's living in all these things and he's doing all of these things. But eventually, and this is true, if you just look up George Foreman's life, you actually see all these things. So I'm not telling you anything if you enjoy history stuff like this. But ultimately what ends up happening is he ends up coming back to the Lord. He ends up becoming a pastor and leaving boxing. So he sold off for Jesus. He's a pastor. He's preaching. And he starts up this big youth center, this really cool youth center to help kids who are just like him because these are things that God put on his heart to do, and all of a sudden some things take place. The person who's handling his money—if you, you know George Foreman's story, you know this is true—he he he lost all of George Foreman's money, millions upon millions upon millions of dollars. He lost everything, which was funding this this place that he built, this community center type thing, and funding everything else. So they're literally trying to sell everything and get rid of everything they have. And so he ends up going through this divorce because the divorce happened because he was is. It was his fault. He had affairs, multiple affairs, when he was not living for the Lord. He goes through his divorce, and in the middle of all of that, this money's getting stolen. He's going through all this crazy stuff, and that's at the point where he turned his life around and starts living for the Lord. In that process, he did get remarried. Um, but this is a really cool part of the story. Um, he's saved now. He's living for Jesus. had never lived for the Lord before. He just kind of had a mom who did. You all know somebody like that. Um, mom lived for Jesus. I rode a coattail for a while, but then eventually decided I didn't want that coattail. That was him. So he gets married to this woman who's on fire for the Lord, and his ministry begins to flourish. Now this is, he's, they lose everything, and they're realizing they're going to lose everything. They're going to lose their house. They're going to lose their gymnasium that they built. This is a really pretty awesome ministry he had going on. There was like kids from the city all over, hundreds and hundreds of kids that were coming in and, and connecting with them through what they were doing. And literally the, he sees the doors get locked. In his, in his real life, he saw the doors get locked. He watched kids trying to come up and go in, but they couldn't get in. And it was discouraged. And he. The comment he said was to his wife was, I don't know anything else except for boxing that would allow me to get out of this situation. At this time, George Foreman is now mid-40s. He's been in ministry for a while, been away from boxing for a while, and any of you know what happens when you hit 40 years old, you're not the same as you once were. Matter of fact, there's a scene. I'm not going to tell you the scene because it's funny. I'll ruin it totally for you. But, the, but all of a sudden, there's this part in the movie where um, George Foreman He's trying to find out what he's going to do. He's trying to go and do boxing, and he, he's going and he goes and he, gets in a, he does a fight. He does one boxing match, and he loses. And so he loses this fight, and so he's just discouraged. And he's like, I just don't need to do this anymore. His wife has a dream. Literally that night, she wakes up and she tells him, I had a dream, and I think the Lord was speaking to me. He said, You're going to continue to fight. You're going to fight, and you're going to become world champion. He's like 45 years old there are guys like Mike Tyson at this point in time who were psychos. You know like who are in their 20s and they're in psychos and 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 people like Evander Holyfield who's also a believer but he but he was a really great fighter at the time and he's younger. So he all these young boxers who were great and he's in his mid 40s like you're nuts if you think I'm going to win a championship but she had a word from the Lord and then actually that happened before the, fir- the first fight. He goes back and fights afterwards, and he loses after that. So he's now discouraged, thinking, this dream must not be true. And she's like, well, maybe it's not from the Lord. Maybe it was. He goes, no, I think it was. He goes back and fights a little while later, and he wins the championship at 45 years old. All because of a dream. It's a physical dream. She was sleeping. She, the Lord spoke to her in a dream. She woke up suddenly and said, the Lord just spoke to me through a dream. You're going to go back in box, 44 years old at the time, and you're going to be world champion. I don't think you, maybe me, even understand how crazy that is. Because he was way, you watched that fight? I watched his fights when he came back. He was way out of shape. I mean, I'm talking way out of shape, like me. <laughs> I, I'm in better shape than I was. But uh, but he was in terrible shape. He was probably 70 pounds overweight, 80 pounds overweight, and was just, but he went back and he boxed, and he went into the championship, and it's like, what? made them go back and do what they did. They earned enough money from boxing to reopen everything. They actually got offered all this, because that's what God does when you when you hear him and you're obedient. They got offered the opportunity to be a part of the George Foreman Grill. George Foreman Grill, they, because of the proceeds from that, they were able to put $137 million into a fund that just operated the community center, so they can continue forever doing what they did. They're about to lose everything. But a dream happened. So God speaks through his word. He gives us wisdom. He gives us a whisper. But he also gives us wonders, things like dreams. And if we'll be obedient to his voice and do the things he's asked us to do, he will open up doors. He will do things that we can't even comprehend. This is mind-blowing to me when I hear his story because I'm just thinking that is a very impossible thing. He was about to lose everything. All of a sudden, he's currently a billionaire, been good with his money. And by the way, as a billionaire, he still preaches every single week. He still pastors now. He never walked away from the things that God put on his heart to do. He still does it because it's what God spoke to him to do, remaining obedient and faithful to the Lord and all the things he does. And God has honored that. You can't do it. This is important. We all sometimes people think there. Sometimes we get carried away by the emotions, the wonders, and some people want to do wonders only. It's all about the wonders, and they can have a tendency to ignore the word, and you lose the word. It's the foundation. You can't lose the word. Can't live on just the wonders because you'll end up in left field and maybe in witchcraft or some other kind of weird things. So you can't just have wonders. But you also can't just have the Word because the Word is great as it is if you don't do all these other things and you're being disobedient to what you have. Mm-hmm. Right? The Word's great, but if you don't have wisdom or don't ask for it or don't attain it, or if you don't have, hear the whispers, don't listen to the voice of God, which we're told to do, right? If I don't get to the place where I'm hearing, then I'm not really being obedient to what I have. And The first scripture that I read today was simple, right? Not just hearers, doers, those who hear my words and do not do them. Are like this. They built their home on a sand and when all the voices came they crumbled. We need the word as a foundation. We need the wisdom that comes from the word, not only written but the Holy Spirit teaches us all those things as we're reading. We need his whisper. I'd have been stuck in that situation if I didn't hear the whisper of the Lord. And I could tell you a lot other times where I've heard the whisper of the Lord. Pretty amazing moments where God spoke and the things that happened as a result of it. Amazing. And then there's the wonders that we have a tendency in many churches to push out the most. Don't want prophecy. Don't want the gifts of the Holy Spirit. They're weird. We're a peculiar people. God's not normal. It's weird by the world standards, but He's not of the world. And this is not our home. So spiritual things, that's who we are. We've been born of the Spirit. So we need to connect with the Lord that way. We need the wonders to come from the Lord. I'll probably share a little bit more regarding some dreams I've had and um, these kind of things because I want to explain a little bit on some of those things. But um, some really cool stories I have, and maybe some of you even have cool stories. So maybe we'll talk to some of you about some of the stories you've had where you've heard the voice of the Lord and God moved and did really cool things. Or maybe times where you've heard from the Lord and you ignored Him. And it didn't go so well. I'll tell you those stories too. I have a few of those. (laughs) So, so, but it's important. That's why we differentiate the voices. How do I hear the voice of the Lord? I got to build the house first. First thing I'm doing is building this house. I'm inside this house now. It's got walls. It's got all the things I need to block out the noise. The only voice I hear is the word of the Lord, His wisdom, His whisper. And then let Him do the wonders He wants to do. Amen. Amen. We'll go deeper as the series goes on. This is a series going to take on a life of its own like every other series I do. Um, I don't know where it's going. Just like the wind. I don't know where it's going. don't know where it's coming from. It's going to end somewhere. So <laughs> we'll just kind of go with it, right? Amen. Lord, let's pray. You come on up to play. Hallelujah. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is a foundation to us. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name, no matter what, that we would be so hungry for your word that we would devour it on a daily basis, that we would study and show ourselves approved, that as we do, that you would fill us with your word, fill us with your wisdom, and that you would put us in place where we would hear your whisper in spite of all of the noise around us, that we would hear you plainly and clearly, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would teach us all things and remind us of all the things that you said to us, Jesus, at the right time that we would have a right word from you. We pray today in Jesus' name that you would do that. And Lord, we pray right now in Jesus' name for the wonders. Your word says, these things shall follow the believers, right? And so we're praying for the wonders. that You speak through people. You speak through words of knowledge and words of wisdom. Lord, you speak through prophetic, and you speak through all these different avenues, and you speak through dreams and through visions, Lord. I pray that we would not block these things off, but instead we would receive them fully. But just like we would pour something into a strainer, so that the water would go through and get rid of all the water, but it would block all the solid stuff from falling out. Lord, I pray the same thing would be true here, that we would receive your wonders and receive all things you have from us through the strainer of your word and the Holy Spirit, that we would be able to discern what's right and what's wrong, and then we would be able to to not get caught up in things that are worldly or things that are other, other supernatural, not godly, but instead we would hear plainly from you God, I pray during this series, of anything, Lord, that we will learn to tune in and learn to really hear from you. We need it, Lord. Lord, I recognize, Lord, that this walk I have with you and that we all have is living and active. It's not just a scripture reading. It's not just a church attending. It is a living, breathing, walking relationship that I get to have conversations with you and hear from you and you speak to me. But I also know that I have a tendency to get out of control. So, Lord, help us not get out of control. Help our own thoughts to get out of the way help our own ideas to get out of the way, help our own perceptions to get out of the way, and help us to reject the enemy and his lies. Help us to reject the world and its lies and help us receive from you everything you have for us. It's good. We thank you for testimonies like George Foreman's testimony. Literally, about ought to lose everything, but in obedience to you, we decided to go back in box. You fulfilled the promise. And the promise was that he would go back in box, he would win a championship, that he would be obedient to you, and that when he, when God, literally this is what it was, said in the dream that he would lift you up for all the world to see, or you would lift him up in front of the world and that he would lift you up for them to see. And that's what happened, Lord. So I thank you for that. I thank you for, for people who are willing to hear and respond to your voice and lift you up, not themselves. Help us to do that. Help us to, if we hear from you that we don't get arrogant or prideful. We're not special. All of us who are filled with the Spirit have the ability to hear your voice. and We all have spiritual gifts given by you. And so we pray today in Jesus' name that we would operate in those gifts as a one body, unified in a way that honors you and pleases you. Because that's what we want. We want to please you, Lord. Help us to do it today in Jesus' name. Amen.